2: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome
3: to another profoundly interesting episode of Not Without My Sister, in which we shall discuss how our life today differs or is similar to the imaginary life we thought of in our teenage years. Yes, Rosemary?
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Without My Sister in which we will discuss how manifesting our dreams and goals has brought us exactly to where we hoped we would be at the respective ages of 36 and 42. 40. You too can have successful, exciting, love-filled lives just like us if you manifest your dreams and we're going to tell you how. I'm Rosemary McCabe. I
3: am. No, no, no. I'm Beatrice McCabe and you're Glennon
1: Doyle. Oh my God, Untamed. Untamed. (laughs) what was it I have to sit I have to sit in my I'm sitting in my knowing you knowing go ahead you know what though we've actually had more than one request for us to review that book for which you would have to actually read it so i think you should read it oh i just can't
3: i can't i i've i've seen her her stories and her reels and her interviews and i can't she's not my type of person i can't well, okay this maybe i could you could okay totally could. sorry i maybe i could i could manifest a reading of it i could sit in my reading I have to, however, still get through reading. the other 10 books that I still have to read from
1: Christmas Day. So oh, it'll I've, be a while. It'll I've be later that, but in the mom year. My mom keeps asking me if I've read Giovanni's Room yet, and I'm like, no, and now I think it's packed away in a box for our move. Well, I have to but read Hamlet. Like. I, oh, I yeah,
3: have Hamlet as well. I have to
1: read. Yeah, I know you do, because I bought it for you. Oh,
3: thanks. I thought that was from mom. You're welcome. It was from mom via me. Do you remember? Because we bought each other books on behalf of mother.
1: Oh, yes, of course, of course. Okay, Beatrice, back so, to the topic. Uh,
3: oh. Yes. When you were in secondary school, probably, Rosemary, what did you imagine for your future? Like, what were your plans, goals? Where did you think you'd be in your
1: 20s or 30s? I mean, honestly, I'm nowhere near where I thought I would be in my 30s, both <laughs> literally and figuratively, mm. because I never thought I would leave Ireland, ever. You know, yeah. I just...
3: yeah, except, except for that brief stint in uh, Syria that you were planning.
1: Yeah, honestly, you thought you were going to become a mini pop. We all have dreams when we're young, Beatrice, and we can't have them held against us forever. <laughs> I was tiny. I was a tiny twenty-two-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. Listen, I had very lofty ambitions of, of, of war reporting until I realised that I'm an absolute wuss. Uh, oh
3: God! So seriously, that would t- that would I mean that would be hard all the same. Would be I so mean, hard. it's not to be yeah, not to be sniffed at. Exactly.
1: I just never thought that I would leave Ireland. Like, like you and I would have, would have had discussions about it where you'd be like oh would you not come and live in New York for a year or would you not come and do this and the answer is no. Like I just never thought that I would leave Ireland at all. So so
3: what's, why did it change for you?
1: What changed it? You know what I think this is all oh my god this is going to be like a therapy session. I think it's all tied up in a lot of the same things that I thought that by the time I was in my late 20s or 30s I would be very settled, and I mean that in the sense of that I would have a. I mean, so so when I started at the Irish Times, for example, for the first two or three years there, I definitely was like, oh my god, this is where I'm going to work forever. Like I love it here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm possibly going to become, you know, like I might end up editing the magazine. I could kind of see a track for myself. You know what I mean, career-wise. And then at the same time, I thought that well, the, the relationship that I got in when I was what age was I like 30 I think pretty shortly thereafter I was like okay this is it you know like I'm I'm gonna end up with this person and he has a job in Dublin I have this job in Dublin and we're going to end up I mean you know you kind of see yourself on a track you're like well you know probably get married I didn't think I didn't think I would have kids at that point but I thought that we would definitely be together long term and with that, I thought, you know, we were kind of talking about working towards buying a house. So like all of these things that I was like in five years time, by the time I'm 35, all of these things will be established. Like we will be in a very established relationship. We'll either be engaged, or we'll be married. We'll probably either have a house or be on our way to buying a house. And I'll have this job that has now become a kind of a long term career. And so then in a way, in my early to mid 30s, when none of that had happened or like all of that had Falling apart sounds very dramatic, but just things hadn't worked out the way I thought they would. (laughs) I basically spent all my money that I could possibly have put towards a deposit for a house. My ex and I had broken up. I hadn't ended up staying in the Irish Times because when I started out, I was working as a sub-editor and I kind of decided I didn't really want to work in production long term. So I took the decision to go freelance with a view to doing more journalistic kind of writing stuff. And then I just ended up kind of veering towards... You know, doing more freelance stuff for other publications, doing stuff for TV and radio. And I kind of moved away from the track that I thought I would have in the Irish Times, if -hmm. that makes sense. So in a way, I always thought that I would stay in Ireland because I always thought that these other things would be in place. And then when none of them were, and I mean, I hadn't honestly even thought about leaving at all until I think I came over to visit you. It was not that long after my breakup. I was definitely. I mean, I don't want to say I was struggling because I don't think I was like super miserable, but I did feel a little bit. You know, I didn't really know what I was doing. That I was like, I've been renting this same house for nearly eight years now. Am I going to just be renting the same place forever? Which like would have been fine. It was a nice house, but you know, you're kind of going. What am I going to do? Like, I feel like I'm just doing the same thing and nothing is changing. And you said, well, why don't you see if you can get a visa to come over as a freelancer, and come over for a year or two and. And I suppose it was the first time that I literally had absolutely no reason not to. You know what I mean? There was absolutely nothing that I would go, oh no, I, you know, because I'm in this relationship or, oh no, I'm, I own this house or, oh no, I have this job that I can't leave. And like, there were definitely freelancy things that I was doing that I can't do from here. But I also was in the position with my Patreon where I had enough subscribers and I had enough support that I could support myself no matter where i was in the world and that was the first time that i had that kind of freedom so yeah i'm absolutely nowhere that i thought i would be but like <laughs> for but when you, know, you were growing up reasons. do you
3: think that when you were growing up do you think that you know everything you're talking about i mean i totally get it but everything you're talking about is very specific to a job or a person like when you were growing up did you think did you always want to be a writer like did you did you always want to be a journalist
1: yeah i always wanted to be a I'm trying to think, like, I always wanted to write, and then I think, as I got a little bit older and started to kind of understand, you know, the kind of... I suppose how how rare it is to be, like, a full-time career author. I started to think, okay, well, journalism is the kind of route that I will go down. And I just assumed, because, I mean, people were always telling me... Like, you know, when I was a kid, people were always telling me I was a really good writer. And, you know, like, I thought I was a really good writer, so I just assumed... I am good at this thing, therefore it will work out. You know what I mean? So I think that's just what I always thought I would be or do in whatever form that might take. What did you feel when you moved
3: to, when you went to the Irish Times, like, because you were a very good writer and obviously you were very good at lots of things, right? But there's a difference between, you know, when you're in school and you're probably the best writer. I mean, and I'm I'm not saying you were, but like, in case anybody's listening who also considered themselves to be a great writer in your school I don't know right but one of the best writers then you go to college and you're among a load of people who are also good at the same thing which is all I I mean I found really weird you know like you go from being kind of the big fish in this talent in your school to being like one of many yeah to then being especially if you go to the Irish Times like that's one of the you know pinnacles of journalism in Ireland right so and you're amongst then all of these people who are equally good and equally ambitious and how did how did that feel did you enjoy that was it great to be a part of that or was it I mean did it ever strike you in any way maybe it maybe you hadn't maybe you
1: didn't even think about it no I think I think college was kind of a baptism of fire for me from that point of view that I was suddenly like oh my god people here are really good you know that I always thought I was good and I always like I mean, personality-wise, I'm, personality I'm probably a little bit lazy. Like, I don't... I used to kind of kind of boastfully be like, oh, I never read over my work because I never read over my work. And then I got to college <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I better read over my work. You mean, like, everybody's <laughs> brilliant. So that was definitely, I was like, oh shit, like, if, if I'm going to be good at this I'm going to really have to work you know I'm not going to be able to rely on the fact that like I'm a really good speller anymore you know what I mean I'm going to have to actually try and kind of craft this but when I went to the Irish Times weirdly I think because so so when I first started it was as a sub-editor as I mentioned I was in my early 20s I was doing a master's and I was doing like two days a week at the Irish Times and I was or I, I perceived myself to be a lot younger than everyone else who worked there So in a way, I didn't feel like we were all like I didn't feel like we were all in one group or I didn't feel like we were competing against one another. I think I kind of probably had a kind of a a kind of a bravado about me that I thought, oh, I'm really young and I have a different perspective. You know what I mean? And then obviously, like I think five years later, I wasn't the youngest at all. Like, the, you know, they'd taken on this whole new group of graduates and stuff. And I was horrified. I was literally like, oh, my God. Like, That's so funny. I remember at one point when I was freelancing, they did a graduate program. And they took on three or four kind of writers, staff writers. And I remember calling one of my friends at work and being like, oh, my God, like, you know, why didn't you tell me that, <laughs> that these jobs were going? And she was basically like, they were in the paper. Like, do you not read the paper? <laughs> And I was like, no, I don't. I just rely on people telling me things. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, so I definitely... That's a bummer. I mean, yeah, but it was also a lesson. It was kind of funny in hindsight. But yeah, like I didn't... I didn't have any insecurity in a a sense of people are much better writers than me here, even though I, I, I thought that a lot of them were, I thought that a lot of them weren't. And I really saw how you didn't have to be an amazing writer, you just had to work hard and get your stuff in on time and be reliable and that you would end up getting, if not hired, then like, you know, being contracted to do a lot of stuff because it was more valuable to them to have somebody who produced the work on time and then they could change it in, you know, like not change it, but they could kind of fix it up in sub-editing.
3: I think that's the difference between being a writer and being a journalist, right? Like being a self-employed and being employed for a company, you know, and I think about it as well from a design perspective. Like, people come in and they want to do their bag or their design and they want to have their, like it, it belongs to them and there's a great sense of possessiveness. And I feel like I had that too, you know, when I started out. I was very proud of, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of the work that we do together, but I'm not proud of something as in that's mine. I did that because yeah, I realized right. that everything is collectively the work of the teams. Like there's nothing gets to a shop floor without it going through and being touched by so many people who have, equal amount of rights to feel proud of it you know what I mean I could sit and draw something it'll get nowhere you know but I think that that's the difference between like being an artist and being a designer is that as an artist you get to express yourself and as a designer you're expressing the vision of the company that you work for you know which I think is kind of similar to the writing like it's 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 I need this specific piece of writing for this specific I don't know, like, end today. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not about what Rosemary wants to write. And was that a surprise to you?
1: It wasn't a surprise because, so I did a master's in journalism. They really tried to drill that into you, that, like, you know, you're trying to write factually and it's not about you. But, like, it was really hard for me. So for years, when I worked at the Irish Times, I remember one particular editor that I worked with, Madeline, who I loved. And, like, she edited the property pages and I did a lot of property stuff for her. And she used to tell me all the time, she'd be like, take take yourself out of it. You know, because, like... Like, or, you know, like, she'd be very nice about it. She'd be like, that was very amusing. But like, we don't need that piece about you. You know what I mean? And I'd be like, <laughs> oh, crap. Like, I'll have to have to rewrite it. But even it. the topics that you, like, even the
3: topic choice, you know, is not necessarily always... Up to you. Your own.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, you might, like, as a freelancer as well, you might come up with an idea that you think is great and really interesting. And then they get back and they kind of go... I like the kernel of that idea but can you do it like this and all of a sudden it's like oh you don't want to you know what I mean you're like I'm not as interested in that anymore because I don't get to interview this person I don't get to talk about this but you're still like fuck like I've been commissioned to do it now so I have to do it you know what I mean
3: yeah I always had a lot of really good ideas for you to write about things that you never wanted to do
1: you you still (laughs) do but that's but that's also I think part of I mean not to do myself out of any potential if anybody wants to hire me stop listening right now but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i don't think i'm the best writer for hire from that point of view because it has to be something i really want to write about for me to write about it with any kind of enthusiasm or flair if you know what i mean which is very limiting because i don't want to write like i mostly just want to write about very limited things like me me and myself and i but listen listen back to you did you always want to, you know i'm thinking about this now when you were like 13 right Mm -hmm. And you were, you just made your confirmation in those like pastel colored dungarees. And you had this long auburn frizzy hair that mom still insisted on you brushing every day. And you had your braces and you were very freckly. And if I'm painting a picture, like this is the ugly duckling that would later turn into the swan, right? You're the swan now. Did you want to be a fashion designer back then? I'm trying to think if you were like, I really want to work in fashion. You know what I mean? It seems kind of... Like a pipe dream for that little girl. What I want to know is, did you always want to work in fashion? I've left the room. I
3: walked away <laughs> while you were talking. stormed
1: <laughs> off. <laughs> for anybody listening, yeah.
3: <laughs> did I always want to... You know what? Honestly, like, I think that I want to work in yeah, I wanted to work it, but I, I saw it more as like making clothes versus fashion design. You know, I wanted to, I was super interested in pattern making and and like at the actual act of sewing. So as part of it was the creation. It wasn't just about the, you're going to design it and somebody else will make it. Like I really, I mean, I, in all honesty, like I, I wonder about my time at NCAD, like I wonder if I missed something that everybody else picked up on because I feel like I left entirely unprepared to go into the world of fashion. You know, I think I actually did learn more about how to make the clothes and sew them versus how to design to an audience, how to think about business, how to... I, I didn't even know there was such a thing as merchandisers. Like, I don't think anybody ever sat down and said, this is the structure of of a design team.
1: I found the exact same with my master's, for example. When I came out, I felt like, okay, like I really know how to craft a feature about war in Iran because I did like um, international journalism, right? But I didn't know how to pitch a piece. I didn't know who to email. I didn't know, like, you know, should I cold call? I didn't know how to actually work. And I think that's something that a lot of college courses, from my experience and yours and hearing my friends' experiences, like unless you're doing something like, that's very practical, like nursing, where you have a placement. You know what I mean? And you go in and you learn on the job. And I think maybe it's just really hard to prepare people for these jobs. I mean, I feel like
3: though there is, I feel like that there is the ability to say, like, this is how the industry is structured. Like, you could have, yeah. I don't know, more hands-on practical. Like, I think there was a lot of, like, preparing us to be either seamstresses or, or seamsters. Is that a seam, seamsters? Those a seamless. Seam people. Transition beautiful. Seam people. Seamsters? <laughs> <laughs> or, or to be like, you know. I mean, the create the creative director of a design house, like there was sort of an expectation of like, this is, it's your vision and you'll, you know, you'll design this vision and what do you want it to be? And, you know, there was a lot, I remember, especially when I went to Milan, there was, a, and I went on an Erasmus, there was a lot about like, just show us the vision of like, show us your amazing illustration versus like, who's your customer? You know, what are you designing for? Like yeah. there was really, there was no talk of the customer. You know, like, who are you actually designing this for? Even if that customer is yourself. Like, the stuff that I designed, lads, I mean,
1: embarrassed. I mean,
3: I can't. Excuse me, I mean, I'm thinking now. F- if- your
1: final year design was chosen as the poster for Peter Mark Beatrice. <laughs> Rose, don't look so delighted. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was actually, as I was saying it, I was like, hmm, oh. is Peter Mark really the pinnacle of, like, fashion and style? But I mean... I had it was amazing. I had
3: somehow I somehow have one of those full size cardboard cutouts that was in Peter Marks like at home
1: with what's that what's oh, Beatrice, that mom Beatrice knows Mom has it ready to ship over to you <laughs> she has it, it boxed up and ready that's, that's coming in the shipment next year don't you worry
3: tell her to give it to, tell her to give it to Emma or one of those whoever has the like fashion displays for, for later on in my for later on in my career when I'm back and there's a retrospective and they're like she was in
1: Peter Marks but, do you think for people who study fashion in Ireland, it kind of is like the options seem to be, I mean, for the majority of people, right? The majority of people aren't going to end up working at, not to like blow smoke up your arse, but like not, aren't going to end up working at Dior, aren't going to end up working at DVF. They're going to end up either working for like Duns or Pennies or like a big Irish company or maybe like River Island or New Look in,
3: but I mean, in the UK. Or But again, it depends, Rosemary. But it depends, like that, that's, who knows where they're going to end up. They're going to end up wherever they want to end up or like wherever they have the ability to end up. I don't mean skill wise, but yeah, I mean yeah. financially, like mom and dad definitely gave me money to go abroad. Like they sent me 50 quid every week. Now I wasn't living like, you know, I wasn't living like on the Upper East Side. Now I was also in Milan, so I wasn't living on the Upper East Side, but I wasn't living. You
1: weren't living like a little bit of Lexus from Schitt's Creek.
3: I was not. I was not. I was living very, very low key. You were
1: having six tuna sandwiches a week and that was it.
3: Oh, that was when I had a job. I couldn't <laughs> afford those sambos.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah, they were, they, were, they were very chic sandwiches.
3: But anyway, did I end up, imagine where I would, no, honestly, I never really thought I would, go. I thought I would go abroad for a year or two and come back. So I thought I'd be in Ireland by now. I thought I too would have my own label and be working at home, which of course, you know, look at Julie, does have her own label and mm-hmm. is doing really well. And super proud of her. Like, it's exciting. And lots of actually really great Irish labels springing up now, which is exciting.
1: And do you think you would still like that now? Like, do you think you would like to have your own label I would like that. Oh, really? Oh, I'd like... I don't know. I mean, would I like to have my own label? I would, but I don't know
3: that I have an awful... Like, I shouldn't say this in case I do ever have my own label. I don't know that I have an awful lot to say that isn't already being said out there. You know, I think I could do a nice job and it would be fun and I would enjoy it. But I don't know that I'm, like, offering amazing things to unique things to people, you know, that aren't already, that wouldn't just be competing with somebody else. I also like being part of a team. So while I could have my own team, I do really like working with a bigger group of people and like having strategic meetings and talking about like, I like the whole business side of things as well as the design side, you know?
1: There is an awful lot to be said for just, I mean, I find it really hard now to come up with ideas a lot of the time when I'm on my own and I know this comes back to well I'm always giving you ideas but what I mean is like when I, <laughs> when I worked in an office even like when I worked in Stellar and I was still doing my own kind of stuff or my own blog writing on the, on the side you do get inspiration from like these conversations where you kind of end up brainstorming or like bashing ideas back and forward with somebody and you suddenly start thinking about oh that actually makes me think you know what I mean like you, you, you get inspired yeah. in all sorts of different ways from in my case like a lot of human conversation and communication that you then really miss so I think that same way like if if you or if anyone was to set up their own label I think it's really it becomes really difficult although I do think Ireland actually I mean I'm not sure what it's like now in the year of our Lord 2021 but in the last couple of years has set up a lot of like good you know um, Enterprise Ireland will have kind of hubs where you can go and work with three or four other designers and they'll kind of set you up with a space and you know maybe they'll give you like a little bit of financial support and they'll help you with your business plan. So you end up not being so alone in the early days of it, which I think is obviously quite nice. Unless you're somebody who wants to be alone. But that's true. I'd like to be alone. I also think nowadays, like so much of
3: it is about marketing, you know? Oh yeah. You can be a great designer, but like, actually you can be a not great designer. If you look at, I mean, I'm not saying these people are not great designers, but like the majority of new brands that have come up and, and are, have done well in the last couple of years are, headed by marketers like there are marketers who assess their market like look at rothy's away dagny dover any of these you know direct to consumer brands they are marketing led like those two founders in each one of those brands are marketers and they got together and said we have a good idea let's market the crap out of it so i mean in a way i feel like if you have really great marketing you know that's not i mean it's It's just not like, it's like I need you and you don't ever want to be in a team with me. So I would need you to do that for me. And you've already said self-confessed, a little bit lazy. So I don't have all that much confidence in you. And our Instagram needs an update. So I'm like, I'm already having a trial by fire.
1: I would just like to point out, you have got it into your head that because I am good at doing and enjoy doing my own social media, that I'm good at marketing. And I actually don't think, I don't think I am good at marketing.
3: Oh, sorry, Rosemary. No, it would be the fact that you worked in marketing for many years and took jobs by convincing people that you were good at marketing that led me to believe you were good at marketing. I
1: worked in marketing. (laughs) I worked in marketing-ish for about a year. That was it. Yeah, but everything you
3: said to me made sense. You were just stimmied, stymied by the, you know, by the bureaucracy, the corporate bureaucracy. And that is so boring. Like, you know, it's like you just want to say, I have a good idea. Can I, like, let's just, let me just go for it, you know? Because at the end of the day, my idea is as good as your idea. Let's just do it. Should I it? also
1: think I could only ever go into business with someone if it was 50-50 because I ha- have a strong resentment from my time at, Liam, take this out, <laughs> of making money for anyone <laughs> else. I really resent. And why
3: could it not be 50-50? Oh, you
1: yeah, said I'm, it couldn't be 50-50? Yeah, yeah but I'm saying it would have to be. Like, oh my could God, be. you're laying I'm down the
3: laws. Be. You're laying yeah. down the laws in public here. You're going to say yeah, I'm saying on that If episode. we
1: ever go into business and I have this recorded, we'd have to be 50-50. Because I remember going into my boss's office and being like, oh, I just signed off on that campaign and they're going to pay us safe. It was like big money, like, like 15 grand for the next two issues. And my boss just being like, okay. And I'd be like, sorry, is there not a thanks in there? Not a, not a thank you.
3: But thanks for, doing, thanks for doing my job? No, it
1: wasn't. But that wasn't my job. That was the whole thing. That was the salesperson's job. Oh, right.
3: This is where everybody's going to give out to me again after the last time where they all told me that you were right to be a criminal and steal that poor girl's commission. Now everyone's
1: going to be like, she's right, she's right to want more. God, it's everybody not, loves it's you. It's not anyway. to ask for someone to, to say thank you. Even if you are doing your job, if you do it well, there's there's something for another episode. I think it's nice to thank people and you can expect something from someone, but you can still say thank you.
3: I agree. I agree. I never said I didn't agree with saying thanks. I thought you were looking for a bonus
1: there. Well yeah I did then ask him if I got commission he was like no <laughs> you're hilarious I actually agree with you though I think
3: you're but I mean more than anything else it should have been you assigned to just go I'm not doing this anymore Well, that's I'm not going to get anymore I
1: think I left about a month after that
3: well there you but go like,
1: I, but like I should have stayed and taken the wage and just not done any of the extra work which was my foolishness well yeah why didn't you do that yeah because I was too annoyed then oh cut off my nose to spite my face
3: See, so you let your emotions get in the way of a lot of your things here. Please.
2: <laughs> Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more.
3: I thought that I would end up married to a very... Somebody who wore suits in business. Yeah, I don't know. I just did. With curly hair and glasses. Yeah, I did.
1: Somebody who went to work with a suit on. I did. I don't know why. I feel like everybody you ever fancied was not that.
3: Oh my God, totally. I'm just saying this was what I thought. So, I mean, this made no sense compared to the people I actually fancied.
1: That's what I thought. I remember sitting down with my old housemate, Regan, and he asked me one day what my dream man would be. And I said and lol of this I said a tattoo artist who was quite big and had a beard and was covered in tattoos does Brandon have tattoos yeah yeah he has a few tattoos but he's not a tattoo artist but also a tattoo artist Beatrice they would not be able to keep me in the lifestyle in which I wish to become accustomed depends Rosemary I know some of them do very well but I'd say it's very difficult what I
3: cannot believe
1: this is your perspective they
3: could also keep you in
1: tattoos Or or I could be like Cher, mom, I am a rich man, keeping myself. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I appreciated that. I have to say that was good. I probably actually, to be honest, thought that I would be earning a lot more money by the age of 36 than I am. Like I thought that I would have, you know, in my 20s started out at like, because I think like I worked in the civil service for a year in between school and college when I really was like faffing around, not sure what I wanted to do. And I think I was on something like 22 grand. So in my head, then, that was kind of my baseline for my wage calculator that I always thought that by the time I was 35, I'd be on 60. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, that was my first salary as well, 22, 22 and a half. No, 21 and a half at Marnie. I,
1: I think actually in the, in the or in, sorry, in the civil service, it was 21,900 at the time was the, was the bracket for like entry level. I earned more when I worked in Zara, let me tell you.
3: Oh, I remember I asked for a raise after a couple of years, after like three years, and I was sent off to the CFO. Myself and Julie were sent off to the CFO. It was really, really intimidating. And who laughed and said, if you'd like to leave, you're welcome to. So we went back to our desks. Oh, my God. And see, if that was me,
1: idiot, I would have been like, bye.
3: <laughs> I
1: would have suddenly seen like the day opening up in front of me, I'm like, I can go to the cinema, I can go for lunch, I can go to this cafe, bye. Oh, my bye. God. <laughs> no we were like,
3: no, no, grazie, ciao, ciao ridiculous well certainly I didn't think I'd be in America if anywhere I thought I'd be living in in Milan or in Italy yeah and I thought I would I just I don't know apart from anything else if I could do it all again I wonder if I would just rent a house and not buy a house I mean I actually love my house but like I'd like a smaller house that just doesn't take so much cleaning I'm sick and tired of cleaning houses and I don't even really clean this one
1: but you, but you are always t- like you're always rearranging and tidying things I think I think you should start like a Lenten vow I mean, I know it's not Lent, but like maybe for the month, for the for the remainder of April, that you're not going to rearrange anything in your house. You're not going to move a single item of furniture. <laughs> I don't think I can do that. I'm already <laughs> thinking that that
3: chair in there. Well, I mean, and the dog has chewed all the covers of everything to bits, oh. which is so annoying. That is very so infuriating. Yeah. What else did I think? So anyway, so I went to college and I thought I would be, well, I thought, yes, back to your original question. Yes. I thought I would do fashion design, but I don't know that I understood what fashion design was. I didn't think that I would be in accessories. And that was immediately where I headed with, once I started at Marnie, that became, I think I liked the the kind of democratic nature of accessories and how much less exclusive they were. So I was way ahead of my time before I even realized it. And I also, to be very honest, liked the fact that there was less competition in accessories. Like once I got into the actual industry, I realized how everybody was an aspiring and potentially more talented than me. Clothing designer, fashion designer, mm. or maybe not even more talented, more cutthroat, more determined, more like I'm not very good at you know barreling over people to get what I want. Like I was going to say my, also, yeah, like more my strategic,
1: way. more schmoozy. Like yeah, I'm definitely nosing. not a smuser. I don't feel like you're ever particularly Can't that. Can't do that. Yeah.
3: No, that's a whole episode that I have written down on our list br- to talk about. Brown nosing. Inability to. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, yeah. same, to be honest, obviously.
3: Yeah, and I think that, like, that is a disadvantage because so much of it about it is networking, you know, it's like being yeah. at the... Like, t- saying, oh, my God, laughing at the jokes. And like, I feel like I laugh at the jokes when they're air-kissing. funny, you know. There yeah, like, so I do a lot of laughing at the jokes in, when they're funny. but as well. Yeah. Yeah, and like... I'm just not I'm just not good at it because I really find I cannot even I can't I've tried so many times I can't fake smiles I can't like I get cringe
1: meet your sister I can't fake anything on my face like (laughs) if I like meet somebody and I've already met them and I dislike them or something I literally I can feel my face turning into like curdled milk and I'm like reverse the reverse the mouth reverse and I can't it's like (laughs) see like the downward moon my, like all of my friends are always saying it to me or like even at work people would be like oh you really don't like him and I'd be like oh I don't know why you think that I've only met him twice <laughs> 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 the worst I like, could like, no poker oh. face so
3: did you think you'd have four kids? Did I think? know? last night I was thinking about this. I thought I'd have zero kids. I, I just had no interest in kids. I had no interest in other people's kids. I had no interest in my relations kids. I had no interest in kids. I had very little interest in... I just... And I mean, it wasn't... That, it was just more like, no, I don't really want those. They're fine. Thanks. Somebody yeah. else can have them. And, you know, probably Nash probably won't listen to this because it's his <laughs> mom. And like, I was thinking Fingers in the future crossed. will he troll through it? Will he troll through it in tears, you know, when I die, will he be like? Oh, these tapes. Maybe He'll be playing it not. to his therapist. Oh, maybe. But anyway. So I mean, if had Nash not been an accident, an accident, says mom. How could you have an accident? I mean, what does that even mean? There's no such thing as an accident. Okay, thanks, mom. Well, this was an accident, but a happy accident, the happiest accident of my life. Had I not had an accident, I would not have. Continued but I, you having know, accidents soup. for
1: the next eight years. Yes. Yeah. No, 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 no.
3: <laughs> then Bo was definitely planned and then and then I was like, Oh, that was he was a really easy baby and then I was like, Oh Don, let's just have one more baby so we have one more baby and then I don't know what happened to me. Like I got on some euphoric high after baby <laughs> number three. I was like these babies are amazing. Look at what we made. We made this out of nature. This baby. I remember we you made, made this made for free. For free? Yeah, for free. I was like, "This baby's amazing." We need another baby. Don was like, "I'm not having another baby." And then we had another baby, and Don was not happy, but I was so happy. And I honestly would have had baby number five if Don would have would have, you know, had one too. Got on board, so to speak. Got on board, but he immediately got on down to the doctor and got. You know, got un on board. Got taken care of, as he likes to say. He got broken, as I like to say. He broke himself, but he likes to say he got he got yes, fixed. He
1: broke himself. Well, he broke himself. He
3: says, "I got fixed." I'm like, "You're broken." <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> what a kindness! I know. What a what a lovely, lovely wife. You know what? I never imagined... I mean, whatever about... Like, we've talked about it before that I really did... Like, same. I, I didn't think I was going to have kids. And I just... Like that, I had no interest. Until That's I not true, Rosemary. You loved kids. Mom thought you were going to be a teacher. I loved babies you when I was a child. loved kids. And then as I got a bit older, I just was like, oh, I don't care. And then I didn't think... I, like, I really didn't think I would have kids. And then I think it was a combination of, right, spending time with your kids and being like, this is actually really nice. Like, it's really nice... The idea, like it hadn't really occurred to me that if I didn't have kids, I wouldn't have a family in that sense. You know what I mean? Like a big family to like the noise and the kind of warmth and the bustle of having people around. That I was like, oh, my God, when I get older, like who's going to be around? Nobody, you know, if I don't have any kids. And then I also started to think about my absolute lack of hobbies that I was like, I don't have any interest in traveling. What? You've loads to hobbies. No, but like I was kind of like, you know, like. If you think about a life without children, right, a lot of the time people mm-hmm. say, oh, it's, you know, we're so free. We can do, we can travel, you know, as much as we want. I was like, I never, I just want to go to a nice hotel. I don't even care if it's down the road. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I never wanted to go anywhere with a backpack. Ugh. Never wanted to go into railing. Never wanted to go, like, exploring, <gasps> except for, like, in a nice air-conditioned bus. So I just was like, what am I, <laughs> what am I going to do with my life if I don't have kids? But anyway, sorry, the other thing I was going to say was I absolutely never thought that I would marry somebody who already had kids. Like, I never thought I would be with somebody who who had kids because I dated somebody who had kids when I was much younger and I found it really challenging. And in hindsight, I think it's actually because he was a bit of a dick. But at the time, I was like, it's really hard. I mean, it's a disaster.
3: It's really hard. Disaster. But you're the one who told me when you were in your 20s, every time a baby would go by, you'd say, oh, my God, my boobs. I can feel the baby in my boobs.
1: You are, like, the only reason you get away with these lies is that it's a podcast. If this was, like, a live stream, people could see your face as your entire mouth purses up and you're like, I'm preparing to say something that's entirely untrue. It's so annoying. And I had to even send you a picture yesterday of my shoe collection to prove that I do not own a single pair of wedges. Another lie you keep perpetual. I never said that about my boots. Although I did, I did have a dream, and this is actually when I started thinking, maybe I do want to have kids. I did have a dream like a few years ago that I had a baby and I remember waking up and feeling so bereft that this had been Aww. a dream. And that was the point at which I kind of went, oh my God, maybe I do want a baby. Maybe I do want a baby.
3: Oh, that's nice. And then you became obsessive about it, poor Brandy. Listen, lucky
1: Brandy. I
3: know, lucky Brandy. He is lucky.
1: He's, he's well, he was lucky until I became pregnant, became the moniest person alive, both the like most phallic looking pregnancy pillow
3: it's just very skin it actually
1: matches the skin of you very know, it's well exact same as my skin tone and started eating him out of house and home basically i won't say anything here not in a sexy way S-
3: <laughs> i can not so all of this to say never imagined we would have lived you know here, what advice would you give to somebody now who's planning their future? Because I think it's funny, like the things that we plan, like you plan a wedding so carefully, but like you go willy nilly into your future. Like I graduated from college, let's go. You know, like who makes a really great plan about their lives? And yet, as they say, you plan and God laughs or something like that. Isn't that the expression?
1: Something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Like people have asked me, you know, in the past, in the past, um, like people I work with have said, you know, how did you, Is this always been your plan to get here to do this? And I'm like, I actually don't have plans per se. I kind of, and I certainly don't make concrete plans about, I want to be X in, In you know, in this company. No, in this company. I'm more, or I want to be, because I never would have planned. I didn't plan to move to Paris. I didn't plan to move to New York. I didn't plan to move to Dallas. But I am obviously open to, opportunities and mm-hmm. I think some people are not you know some people yeah, are true. more like I'm never leaving Dallas right I'm never my family's here and that's you know again well, like me, this like, is not a good I, or a bad no but yeah. I, mean,
1: I definitely wouldn't have been open to opportunities in that sense not that I feel like i ever gotten but, it, but.
3: I, <laughs> yes but I do think but you, I mean I, I mean I obviously search them out you know in a way mm-hmm. like I obviously was if a recruiter would call me I'd say oh, I'm open to opportunities you were, anywhere you, were you know putting
1: like you were you were out there in a way Not necessarily like screaming from the hilltops, but you were available. You were open. Like in that scene in Sex and the City, where where Charlotte's like, I can't meet anyone. And your one's like, but are you really out there? You were out there.
3: Yeah. I think maybe I was unconsciously manifesting my destiny by being so open to the world. How about that? Obviously, I haven't read this book.
1: I don't even think that's that's in that book. I just feel like I'm seeing a lot of manifesting bullshit on Instagram lately. I don't think it's in the Glennon Doyle book. Bullshit, Rosemary. I don't think you're very open to this book. I'm not open to manifesting at all. Well, I think that... I'm about to go and manifest my lunch in a second. That's that's about the extent of it. Well, I,
3: I think that it's important to... Like Don and I don't have necessarily plans about exactly like within this time frame we're going to do that. And maybe that would be good. Like some people are very fixed. Mm. It's a girl in the office who's like, at this age, I'm going to get married. By that age, I'm going to have baby number one. At this age, I'm going to have baby number two. But like I personally would hate that because I would hate the these kind of timelines. Because also what happens if you miss one?
1: Oh, you do hate Do you feel a like a massive failure? You hate, I hate your plan, plan though.
3: But I do like having goals, which yes. are like I want to... I know that I want to Achieve have X. this skill set, or I yeah. know that I want to be at this level of a role by X year, right? So therefore, what am I missing in order to have that? So then I'll start saying, well, I'm going to read these books, or I'm going to do this course, yeah. or I'm going to start, you know, making connections here the there. So it's more vague, but it's more like long-term if I want to do something, I'll sort of think about how I get there and think about what, like what I'm missing in order to get
1: there. I think you're more like a long-term strategic thinker rather than a planner. You know what I mean? So it's not so much the minutiae of like, I'm going to do X by X date, but it's like, okay, if I want to have this over, you know, if, if I want this overarching result, or if I want this, this kind of career or this level of achievement, I'm going to have to be here kind of thing. Whereas I just don't yes. have any plans at all. But I think that's not helpful in a, for people. Not like in a laid back way. Like I'm not laid back.
3: But I would say, yeah, well, I would say to people like that if, I, I, I would say don't plan because I think that planning is, then you just feel like a failure when your plans, like if they're too concrete and they're too specific, I would keep them vague and general and less yeah. about like, I want X by X date and it must look like this. It's more about like, I want to be doing something that I find X, Y, Z that I enjoy. I want to like, I want to, you know, enjoy these four things like these are the five things that I find satisfying I want to do more of those and in this way and maybe in this place you know but yeah. and I think then you're kind of more open to like what does that look like could that be something else you know could it be related to but different like there are a lot of different ways to find satisfaction you know I, feel, I, I even think about myself like what is next for me because I don't see a ton of 50 year olds and 60 year olds in design roles you know like in companies i see them having their own business or consulting i don't think i'd like the unknown of consulting especially with four kids yeah so like do i want to have my own company what does that look like i don't really think so so you know i am kind of thinking what's next what are those skills i need to get in order to be more of a business person we just have to make this podcast a million dollar podcast is what we need oh my god lads tell all your friends Tell Americans, because there are more of them.
1: Yeah, if you know any Americans, they're very open to trying new things, I find. So, like, tell them about this podcast you listen to with these two funny Irish girls. Accents they'll love.
3: Oh, but also such profound wisdom. <laughs> Life lessons. Hard facts. They, it's they probably do more about <laughs> what <laughs> not to do. Life lessons to avoid. I'm
1: sitting in my knowing right now. Oh How my you? God.
3: Sitting in my knowing. It sounds like something the baby would do in his nap. It's, <laughs> it's not...
1: getting uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? I've obviously been thinking a lot about the concept of plans in terms of being pregnant. And like people keep asking, do you have a birth plan, right? A birth and plan. I feel like I have, I have an idea of what I would ideally like. But I also I'm totally open to the harsh reality that things may go 10 million different ways. You know what I mean? So I think actually that's probably a blueprint for life, for me anyway, is like that you can have ideas of what you would like to happen, but know that so much of it is out of your control. And like, you know, some of it I'll is be in okay your control, with it. but there are a lot of things that But will... actually,
3: it goes. But actually it goes for everything. Like, I mean, yeah. even, you know, your mental health, like these things are so out of our control.
1: Yeah. And like also and jobs, you. like, you know, you can get a job and you can work your hardest... And you may not like it. And, you know, you may not mesh well with your manager. You may not find that it's the right or culture they may, for you. Or, or they
3: may hate you. Also, sorry, yeah. I think we're, we're missing the glaring obvious one. Pandemic.
1: Oh, yeah. A pandemic yeah, yeah. may happen. Yeah.
3: You know, can't control everything. So, great. Took us a year in a pandemic to realize that. Good job.
1: <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Revelation. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's like I could see the light bulb switching on over your head. Thank you for listening to this episode of... Wisdom and... Reflection. Fortune-telling. Fortune-telling. Oh, yeah. Fortune-telling
1: in, in reverse? What's that? Yes. History. History-telling. Yes. Oh, my God. We're a history oh. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> What's fortune-telling in reverse? I'm actually a dope. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Thank you all so much for listening. You can get us uh, online, com. We're on Instagram at sister. And individually at Rosemary McCabe and at Beatrice McCabe. You can email us notwithoutmysis at gmail.com and you will get us on Friday for a mini-sode in which we will discuss something equally profound and historical. Please recommend us to your friends. Your dentists. And your American friends. Oh, especially your American friends. Listen, listen. If you work in Facebook or Google or TikTok or like any of those, oh, where there's a, lot of, a lot of Americans, a lot of foreigners, put something in one of the like group threads Hey, guys, you might all love this. Bonus points if it's a group out of more than 300 people. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Not Without My Sister is produced by Liam Garrity. sound and original music by Don Kirkland, and our original illustration is by Lindsay Nielsen.
0: Not Without My Sister is a proud member of The Warren, the home of great Irish podcasts, as is my podcast, the Dublin Story Slam podcast. You can find them all over at thewarren.ie